What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, and I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, what is going on, brother? Uh, not too much, man. Uh, we're having a little bit of an early spring, it feels like, after some brutally cold weather here in the Midwest the last couple of weeks. I hope all is going well up there in western New York, but something tells me it's probably a little chilly up there still. It It's just never-ending up in good old western New York. The winter seems to go forever. My, my friend, my buddy we were talking today, he's convinced that we're going to be able to play golf by by the end of March. And I said there's there's about 12 inches of snow on the ground still. So it's either going to still have snow on the ground or it's going to be melt and be a complete mess. But he's convinced. So, um, And he's also convinced that we can play when it's like 41 degrees outside. That's how, that's how Western New York uh, people do it here. They just, you know, you battle the elements any, any way you can to get out and golf as real as possible. I feel you. I'm kind of ready to get down to the Lake of the Ozarks and do some fishing. The only problem is... Down there, it may have been 50 degrees today, but the lake is still frozen over. And so we're we're trying to get ready for fishing season. I feel like we're closer to that in Missouri than you guys are to teeing it up in New York right now, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is definitely a fair statement for sure. Um, hopefully, though, I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. He, he's the optimistic one, so I'm going to let him have that. And we're going to we're going to hope that he's right because I'm ready. I'm ready for warm weather and golf. That's for sure. Yep. But let's uh let's talk some Chiefs football here. We got last week we talked about the offensive side of the ball and we talked about kind of what Kansas City could possibly do across the offensive line and um at wide receiver as far as what they have on the roster, who they're losing in free agency, and then potential free agents that they could look to sign. Um today we're gonna switch gears and we're gonna head over to the defensive side of the ball and we're gonna try to talk about the defensive backs and the D line. Um Two positions that, you know, especially defensive back, and we'll get to it in a second here, that you could see quite a bit of changes um, in those both, really both of those positions, depending on how they get going moving forward. Um, I guess we'll start right with DBs. Right now, Bashad Breland and Charverius Ward are free agents. Do you think the Chiefs bring either – of them back or both of them back or one of them back, what would you say your lean is? Because I think that if anybody they bring one of them back, and my preference would be Breland. Oh, yeah. My preference would be towards Breland also. I do think it's interesting, though. Ward is the restricted free agent. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that would give the Chiefs the uh, a much better opportunity to bring him back. And I know for Ward, this wasn't his strongest season. We've definitely seen – much better of him in the past, but still having that familiar face to play cornerback could be a big factor for the Chiefs looking to bring him back. And I think the Chiefs are again for a second consecutive offseason in a good position to give Bashad Breland another one year deal if nothing else comes around for him. Yeah, I, I he's uh he's a guy that I just I, I've the way he's played the past few years, one, I think he brings a ton of physicality to the cornerback the position. He is not afraid to come up and hit, and he's not afraid to come up and tackle. And he's been really good, you know, in the in the zone type scheme. And even when they play man, he's smart. He gets he gets Spagnuolo's um, system well. And I, I just think he's a solid veteran guy to have around. I, I had really high hopes um, for Ward coming in 
to this season, but he he's a guy I, I thought he cost himself some money this year. He didn't play great. He had some confidence issues, and he talked about that throughout the year, basically, that he was battling some confidence issues too. Yeah, you know, it was sure, really. You know, he had that hand issue, and that kind of put him on the lone, the bad path to start the season off, and he kind of started to get better down the stretch. He never really played with the confidence I think we saw him play with in 2019 and 2020. But, you know, he still has all the tools. He's still a very young player. And if he's able to stay healthy, you know, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to get back to playing at the same level he did last season, despite some of the issues. So I think he'd be worth bringing back just for that. And also the Chiefs have other issues. They have more pressing needs than cornerbacks. So I think just having him there as an experience, you know, it continues to allow the Chiefs to find guys that could come in and replace him and Breland eventually. But I also think that while the Breland and Ward situations are big, I do think the Chiefs would be comfortable with still keeping most of the same guys they have in their cornerback unit right now. And I'm talking about like Legereus Sneed, Rashad Fenton, and even maybe at some point DeAndre Baker, because, you know, they're going to be relying on those three guys this next season. It looks like regardless of what happens with uh, Ward and uh, Breland. Yeah, I would agree. And like you said, you mentioned um, Ward is a restricted free agent. I double checked on that. And he is a restricted free agent. So, I mean, that makes things a a little, I wouldn't say easier, but it makes things um, where you're not, definitely having to replace two starting outside corners. Um, let me talk to you about Legereus Sneed. He is obviously somebody who came on as a fourth-round draft pick last year that I don't know if ever anybody really expected him to kind of make the impact that he did because he was playing tremendous. Then he, you know, he got hurt and he had to sit for like six weeks or so, I believe it was, came back and was still just the same impact, impactful player um, playing mostly out of the slot being able to play, you know, in the box a little bit, even he does have the background playing safety from college. Um, is he a guy, do you think that they're going to look to if say, if they don't bring Breland back, do you think that they would slide him out to the outside or would they want to keep him in the slot? You know, when I saw his athletic profile coming out of the draft and they'd said that he's going to be a, uh, be a corner instead of a safety. I'm like, yeah, this guy is going to be on the outside for sure. Now, he was obviously talented enough this year to play the inside when he came back from the injury, and it really was a place where he excelled. But I do think he is in Kansas City to be the outside guy. And, you know, he I think they brought him in here to do that, and I think he's just a talented enough player that he's succeeded in the slot. But he's really one of those guys I think he's going to be successful no matter where he's at on the field because he can match up well against almost any type of receiver you know, he's a tough physical player. He goes after the ball. He goes after contact. And he's really a very excellent tackler. So I think he is the guy that they want in the future to be like, oh, we have to put you on, you know, this this team's number one wideout. That's who he's that's what he's here to do in the future. And I think he'll do well at that, if I might say. Yeah, I'm right there with you. He is somebody that I think he could kick out to the outside pretty easily and make that transition and be still the same impactful player because, you know, he might not um, be able to blitz quite as much as he did from the slot or get in on tackles and stuff, but he could make just as much as an impact completely shutting down uh, another team's, you know, number one option, which 
that just gives you more options defensively to, you know, help other spots and not really worry about that guy. If you can, you know, send the, the one DB over there and say, Hey, just go take care of this dude. And, and we're going to play and do whatever we want for the rest of the field. That makes a huge difference in the way that you can call games. Um, and I think he definitely looks like he has the athletic ability to be able to do just that. And and right now that's pretty crazy because he's obviously on his rookie deal. And you mentioned some of these other guys, all the, these other um, corners for them in Rashad Fenton and DeAndre Baker, and even, you know, Ward for that matter, they, they do not have a ton of money tied up at the cornerback position. Now the safety position, obviously they have Matthew with, with the big um, contract where he's, he's expected to get almost 20 million um, this upcoming year, which I think that they can restructure him. And I think that they actually will, because it's a way to, that they can save money. They can extend him, you know, keep him around for longer. Obviously we, I would imagine that they want him in the system because he's just such a versatile, versatile piece for Spagnola in that defense and you kind of saw what they're able to do with him. They're able to, you know, drop him into the hole when they're playing cover two, play him in man out of the slot, drop him to a deep deep safety. Um, he really can play so many positions that he's a guy that you're going to want to keep around. And then, you know, one of the big guys at safety that has been so impactful um, for Kansas City throughout the years is Mr. Daniel Sorensen. He is a potential free agent. Um do you think uh, one? Do you think that they restructure Matthew? Two? Do you think that they're going to bring back Sorensen? Um, right now, I do think they're going to restructure Tyron Matthew, if not give him an extension. And the reason I say that is because he is the leader of the defense. He's been the face of the defense, and he's had t- two straight All Pro seasons you know, playing for Steve Spagnuolo. So it's pretty hard to get much more successful than he's been able to. And he provides more of an impact, you know, in the leadership department as well as his on-field play. But he is the Swiss Army knife. I mean, he is the X factor of the Chiefs defense, you know. He's the guy that Spags relies on to take care of. You know, he goes in there and he takes care of, you know, the other what the other team does well. That's what Spags trusts the old honey badger to stop. So I think they're going to look to extend him to help maybe take some of the edge off of that cap it. And, you know, I love Daniel Sorensen as much as everyone else does. But, you know, at this point in his career, he is getting older, you know, and, you know, he has made tons of big plays, probably more big plays than hardly anyone I can remember in a long time for the Chiefs. He's just always a right place, right kind of time kind of guy. Does that make up for, you know, some of his mistakes he makes in like regular game situations? I think it absolutely does because he does have that clutch gene. But is it going to be worth, you know, dishing out more money and giving him another contract? I really don't see that. And I really don't see that considering that Juan Thornhill started to turn it on late in the season. And, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes in the NFL, you know. There's, I just don't think they can justify, you know, giving him another big contract, especially with some of the other people they're going to have to pay. And, you know, they have a chance to get a guy with Thornhill who's going to be an overall better player. He might not perform as well in the big moments, but his impact is going to be, you know, he's going to be the guy on every play that can also go out and compete for the ball, kind of like Tyron Matthew can. We saw, you know, in his rookie year, 
he he flashed almost like I would say Snead did in his athletic ability, in his burst, in his ability to close on the football, to make plays on the football. And then he, he got injured, and you could tell that he was not really the same player even when he came back from it until probably, you know, even later in that playoff run, maybe even the AFC Championship game where that was probably his best game um, of the entire year. So I'm right there with you. I think that Thornhill is a absolute starter in the NFL and an impactful starter in the NFL. Um Sorensen, he he has been tremendous in Kansas City, and he's a veteran and he's a leader. Um, you always wonder with these guys, would they want to give the old discount um, to try to stay there? I would never expect a player to do that. I think that you need to make your money when you can make your money in the NFL because you just never know when you're not going to have a chance to anymore. Um, I, I guess that's kind of my thought on that. Do I think they should bring him back? No, I don't, unfortunately, because I, I don't I don't think that he he would be cost effective basically um for where that they where they would have to potentially um give him money. Um now if we look at some of the free agents, let's talk some free agents here as far as these guys are concerned. Um let's start at cornerback first. Do you have anybody specifically that you are interested in at the cornerback position or well, even safety, we'll throw it in there. Is there anybody that jumps off of um, the list? Because there's some guys in here that, you know, you have William Jackson of Cincinnati, who I think is going to be pretty sought after because I, the Cincinnati secondary was actually pretty good. Um, it just doesn't go very noticed because they're Cincinnati. Um, but, you know, William Jackson, Shaquille Griffin, Richard Sherman, Jason Red is a super interesting name to me. And then obviously there's Patrick Peterson, who I think pretty much everybody in Chiefs Kingdom has been trying to get for years now. Do you have any corner, um, any free agent that you really like? I really, really like Shaq Griffin. Just the way he plays has always kind of impressed me, and I think he's really been – a guy that's been really big where he's been at for a long time now. And I think that if he came into Kansas City and they got him with Spags, I think they could put together some special football. Like I'm talking the Chiefs could maybe have an even better secondary than they already did. That's really the only name that I've seen that's interest. I've been interested in. I see they're expecting him to sign a, like a three-year, $28 million deal. That's kind of what they're expecting him. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to be willing to spend that much on corner since it kind of seems like they haven't wanted to. But then, you know, Bashad Breland, if he's on the table, I'm still down for going out and getting him for another one- or two-year deal. Sorry, I was muted. Yeah, I, I mean, that would be my first interest because of Breland. It's just there, there's something to be said about the um, having continuity amongst – you know, the positions and bringing people back who know the system where you're not having to reteach stuff every single year. So, yeah, that would be my first, um, um, I guess, choice. Let me tell you about or let me ask you about a, a guy here that is somebody who I don't know how much impact he would make at corner. He's a solid corner, but I think I think he would be, you know, your third, fourth corner. But he was once an all-pro return man, and that's Desmond King. Obviously, Chiefs fans should be pretty familiar with that name as he was a former Charger. 
Um, he was recently with the Titans, though. He, you know, I don't think, I think he got pretty good money from the Titans and never really panned out to be what they were hoping from at corner. He's still a decent guy, but I think in the return game, he would be so valuable because it would allow them to not have to put like Hardman back there or Tyreek back there um, and, and give these guys rest. Would that interest you at all? Yeah, I mean, especially when you're looking in these situations where they're going to pay guys, they need to be paying guys that are going to be versatile, can do more than one thing really well. And to have the ability to go line up and play corner and be the third or fourth corner, you know, probably play a pretty good percentage of the snaps, especially with some of the passing offenses in the AFC West right now. But to also have that ability to go take those kick returns, I mean, that would just be huge, in my opinion, to have a multifaceted guy like that. Yeah, he's, I mean, I think that it actually needs to be a priority for Kansas City this year. Um, it is somebody coming in and, and being a help in the return game. Just, I mean, we, we've talked about it on numerous occasions here, how McCall Hardman ain't it, Demarcus Robinson sure as hell ain't it, and obviously he could be gone anyways. But I think they need to look to upgrade that position, and I think this actually does um, kind of two two things, and, and it helps you get the, get the, the get a corner in there that you might need and a, a little bit of help in the return game. Um, the other guy would be Jason Verrett. I find him pretty interesting. He could be somebody he, – he is somebody who is super highly touted to come out of college, and then he actually had some injuries and, you know, struggled and then has had a, like had a major resurgence in his career basically um, with the 49ers. I, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, but he could be somebody I think that would be pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I, I might steer off of that one just because he is a little bit of an older player. And, you know, I think the Chiefs might try to look to give a guy a two- or a three-year deal so they kind of know they have the side opposite of Mr. Steendock down. What do you think about Troy Hill? Because he's a name I've seen a couple of times, you know, popping up in this free agency period. And he's been really a pretty solid player his entire career. You know, he's been with Cincinnati, New England, and the Rams, but would you would that interest you at all in making a move on him? Because I think he could be another one of those like solid depth piece guys. You there, Justin? My bad. I keep muting myself and I'm talking <laughs> and I'm still muted. Yeah, my bad. No, he is. Yeah, I said he he is definitely somebody I would be interested in. Um, I'm looking at Spotrack and he is a little bit uh, over one point or yeah, one point six million a year. So I would or this is what that's what at least he earned this past year, I believe. Um, so he is definitely somebody I would be be interested in. They have his um, calculated market value at six point three million. So. Still, you know, pretty good discount, 30 years old, um, would, you know, a good veteran ad, good depth guy. I, I think that that would be a, pr- a pretty decent um, get here. I'm trying to look up Desmond King here to see what his market value is, but I can't find him right now. Um, if I can find that, I'll, I'll let you know. All right. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about safety a little bit. 
um, as far as free agents are concerned, because there's some um, pretty decent names out there. Trey Boston just got caught um, from, I believe it was the Panthers. So he's out there. He seems to be somebody that always comes in, plays well, but can never really stick anywhere. But there's, you know, Justin Simmons, who I think is going to get a big deal. Marcus Williams, who I think will get a big deal. Anthony Harris, who could get a big deal. Um, but guys like a Duran Harmon, Malik Hooker is somebody that I'm pretty interested in, who is a pretty high draft pick, selected 15th overall by the Colts. Um, I, he, he's had some injury history here, but it sounds he's almost like one of those guys that you just – it seems like a Brett Veach guy where former first round pick hasn't really found his way. Take a chance on him. Cause you know, the talents there. Yeah. I mean, I'd be definitely interested in Malik Hooker and you know, a lot of people might be going, well, then why would the chiefs need to, you know, get another high level safety or another starting caliber safety? Well, you know, the chiefs play a ton of dime defense, one of the highest percentages of any team in the NFL and they get the three safety, you know, how big was Daniel Sorensen? You know, we're talking about it, but really the three safety set in general has been just huge for the Chiefs because it's kind of helped alleviate some of the issues they've had at linebacker. But yeah, you know, Hooker's a very interesting guy. He's a former first-round pick. He's just kind of been, you know, he's been up and down. He's one of those guys. Now, the Colts are a good defensive football team. They're a well-coached football team. I think they're a team similar to the Chiefs leadership-wise. So maybe that would be a little bit of a concern that if he wasn't able to get on with Indianapolis, you know, a pretty good franchise, he might not be able to get right with anyone. But then you get back to, like, the Trey Boston thing. You know, what's the deal with him from floating around from team to team, you know? Is it, like, just locker room problems? Is it contract issues? Because he seems – every time I watch him play, he seems to make a play. There seems to be a level of talent there. He seems to be a guy that should probably be playing on, like, a five-year contract right now, and yet he's not. So I've never understood that, to be honest with you. I I don't get the Trey Boston thing either because – Basically, everywhere he's gone, he's been like a good player. I mean, he started all 16 games for the Panthers in both of the last seasons. He was with Arizona, started 13 to 14. He was with the Chargers, started 15 to 16. I don't know. It's very, it's very weird to me um, that he just, he never, you know, he just doesn't stick for some reason. I think Panthers, they were freeing up cap uh, space. Um, you know, he he had 95 tackles last year for the Panthers. Yeah. That's a, I mean, three tackles for loss, two QB hits, an interception. I don't I don't know. I mean, he's somebody that everywhere he's gone, he's performed, and he just doesn't stick for some reason. He is somebody I'd su- I would be super interested in. I think that you get a guy like that, you're you're able to put him, you know, in the box and you're able to do a lot of things between him and Matthew, you know, you can use him like a Daniel Sorensen, but I think he's just a better version of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then you still have Thornhill to go play center field and do exactly. all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't understand. And he's only 28 years old. He's only 28 years old. He's been in the league since 2014, but he's not like an old guy either. He's still probably got three or four good. He's got at least four good years left in the tank. So, you know, if you can sign him to a two-year deal, and he wants to come along, I think that would be an outstanding decision because that would I think that bolsters everything up and makes the secondary even better. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I want uh I want Boston. I, I would take him. I think he's 
he's a good football player, and I think he would add a lot to the to the team. So I guess if I had to say the two guys in the secondary that I'd be pretty interested in the most is Desmond King um, for the potential at cornerback to be a depth guy, but also because the return value, and then Trey Boston for sure at the safety position. Definitely. Um, let's talk about uh, a defensive line here. So D-line-wise, and, and man, there is – I don't know if there's two people in Chiefs Kingdom that have the same opinion about the Chiefs defensive line and and what their where their status is at with them at this point. Um, you know they've given out a ton of money to the position. They you know they've given out a ton of money to Frank Clark, a ton of money to Chris Jones, and, and the group really has underperformed, but then, you know, some people you talk to, well, Chris Jones is the problem. You need to get rid of him. Some people you talk to, um, you know, Frank Clark doesn't do anything. And then they'll point out, well, Frank, Frank Clark and the playoffs has, you know, as many sacks as anybody in the last two, two playoff runs where they've won the super, or, you know, been in the super bowl or won one super bowl. Um, so uh, let's start right there. Chris Jones, obviously he's going to, he's, he's up to make almost over $22 million. Frank Clark, is up to make um where did he go i just had it in front of me i think he's the highest paid player on the team at this point yeah yeah almost 26 million 25 8 yep what what do you do with those contracts one do you think that they trade either of them because that's been kind of a rumor that they've been floating around is is a possible trade for these guys and then two do you think that they restructure or what do they do I, I don't think trading Frank Clark is a possibility right now just because his numbers don't match his contract. And if they trade Chris Jones, then they'd better get their money's worth because he is, you know, I think this was his third time being an all pro as an interior defensive lineman this year. And, you know, he's really a special guy. He was, he, according to the pro football focus, Whatever you think about them, that's fine. You don't even have to use that. You can tell when someone's dominating pass rush reps, regardless if they're getting sacks or not. And Chris Jones, to be frank, he dominated this season. He had over a 90% pass rush grade, one of the highest in the NFL, if not the highest. They don't make guys like him that can play the interior like that every day. And if you look back at it, you know, in the Super Bowl, what was Tampa Bay doing? They were leaving their tackles one-on-one, and they had a three-man sort inside to be able to handle whatever Chris Jones did and he still managed to what I thought you know we didn't talk about much of the defense of the game but I thought this was one of Chris Jones best games he played all season and he's really the guy that they game plan around up front there Frank Clark you know the issues with his stomach I think have lingered he's lost he's clearly lost a lot of weight since he's got to Kansas City he doesn't have that explosive force or that physical strike he had early on or when he was in Seattle he's been kind of reduced to more of a to more of a speed rush guy and that's just not really who he is so it's a tough predicament I don't think the team can afford to trade Jones though if they want to continue to have that kind of same success up front because he is the motor that makes everything run and Clark is untradeable also now if they were gonna have to rework a contract with one of those guys I'd like to say it'd be Frank Clark that would rework his numbers or rework some of the money or have to take a pay cut now that's entirely up to him though you know he's not he doesn't have to do that but you know 
it would definitely help the team, especially considering the Chiefs did not have, you know, much else pass rush production outside of Jones this year and Clark in the playoffs. So it's a sticky situation. I don't think they're going to be able to afford to bring in any other pass rushers, you know, maybe draft another pass rusher, but still then there's more key issues. Yeah, you know, the the thing with I think I want to say it was Nick Jacobs wrote about it is if the problem I think with if you work rework Clark's contract then then he's on until after 2022 you're stuck with him with that contract there's nothing you can do at that point you're basically if you had to cut him it would just all be dead money so it's almost just worth sticking out the contract that he has now but like with Chris Jones you could you could adjust his number, turn it into like a, a, a bonus or whatever and and do it that way. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they, they do with these two guys. I don't think a trade happens. Um, I just think that I think that they invested in these guys and they believe in them. And I think, I think they will be better next year. Like you, you mentioned the Frank Clark thing with the stomach. I mean, he also had the nerve thing with, you know, he couldn't even feel his hands and stuff. Like he had some serious issues going on. So I, I hope that he, um, ratchets it up and we see some more production out of that but across the uh, the rest of the the front let's talk about some guys you got Derek Nottie who's been just outstanding for them you have Turk Wharton who was an absolute gem find by Veach you have Alex Okafor who's going to be back for another year um, you have Colin Saunders who was a healthy scratch basically for most of the year because once a once kind of Turk Wharton turned his game on, he just didn't see the field anymore. Um Tyler Clark is a guy that obviously that there's probably be a practice squad guy if he makes it. You got Mike Dana, um another, you know, late round pick who who turns out to be pretty awesome. You got Tim Ward, who I think is a really interesting prospect. Um do you think that I, I mean it sound it almost I would like to see him bring in maybe one more edge rusher, but I, I'm I'm pretty interested in this Tim Ward and Michael Dana to see what he does in his second year. Yeah, and real quick, I'm it's, it seems pretty likely that they're going to let Tano Passigno and Mike Pinnell walk just because, you know, those are guys that while they've played big roles in the run game, neither of them get much pass rush production, and that's where the money's at in defensive line play. And, you know, Pinnell's an older guy, and, you know, Passigno really hasn't shown enough for me to think they bring him back, especially when I think Mike Dana can do the exact same thing that he does at a cheaper cost. So those will be two guys I think they'll say goodbye to. But, yeah, dude, Tim Ward is super interesting, and I kind of think they'll have a plan for him to get him in on pass rush downs and, you know, kind of then maybe kind of let uh, Mike Dana take the run rep downs, kind of like they did this year, you know, with uh, Okafor and K-Pass, have one of them on the field for, or have K-Pass on the field for the early downs and then let Okafor go on the third downs. Because Tim Ward, I mean, he's a big, strong guy in there. He's really athletic. He's got long arms. He got one sack against the Chargers late in the season, the first game he ever played in. So, yeah, I think he probably fits the mold for what they like. Honestly, I think he looks a lot like Emmanuel Ogba. If our, if our listeners remember Emmanuel Ogba, he kind of has some Ogba-like traits, you know, like not super explosive, but he has like a decent array of moves, and he's pretty fundamentally sound around the edge. So 
that'll be something to watch for. And I would also look to see the Chiefs maybe give Derek Noddy an extension this offseason to, you know, maybe find a way to save them a little bit of cap. But if you want to have a great defense, you've got to have a great nose tackle. And it's been it's been pretty hard to find a guy that's played the position a much better than Derek Noddy did these past three seasons since he got to Kansas City. You know, and if you've listened to this podcast, you've kind of heard how much we've we've praised him. He is somebody that I think just he flies under the radar, but man, that dude is he is awesome. He gets the job done week in and week out. Um, gotta ask you, JJ Watt, are you in or out? I'm gonna be out on it. I think his body is too far broken down, and it kind of sounds like the reports are saying he's going to want more money than I think he should probably get. If he was going to come play for the Chiefs, I'd be on the – the only way I'd let him come play is if it was on the veteran minimum or whatever that is. But I don't think the Chiefs can afford to have another guy, a guy in here that's only going to play in maybe half the football games. Uh, 100% agree with that. I'm completely out on him. Um, but obviously, J.J. Watt, with the name that he is, people are kind of clamoring over him. Free agent wise, is there anybody that you specifically would like them to see bring in? There's some big names out there, obviously Shaq Barrett, Jadavion Clowney, Yannick Ngakwe, Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Melvin Ingram, Hassan Raddick, Eldon Smith, Matthew Judon, Trey Henriksen. Um, I'll stop right there. There's three guys that are in that in that group that I think are gonna be super interesting. And they are Carl Lawson, who I am really interested in Hassan Raddick and then Trey Hendrickson. Um, all three of those guys, good pass rushers, good players I, of the, of the three, I would prefer Carl Lawson fourth round pick to the Bengals. He's only 25 years old uh, per sport track. The, they're saying his market value is around almost 9 million a year. So that's not too bad, honestly. Um, not a huge guy, I'm trying to think of who would be a good comp for him because he's not like a, a super tall, but he's he's very explosive. He's, he's kind of like Shaq Barrett. I think that's a that's actually a really good one. I would say is is Shaq Barrett. You know, he's kind of not squatty, but he's more compact, but still explosive, right? Um, anybody that you like, I like I like all the three guys you named. I especially like Trey Hendrickson. I just kind of. I think he would honestly be a tremendous fit in the Chiefs' defense because he can play the run well. He plays the pass well. He's not just going to be a one-down kind of guy. The only thing is they've got so much money locked into Clark and Jones, I can't see them really investing a whole lot more, especially in guys that are going to be just pure pass rushers at this point. But I'd really be interested in Trey Hendrickson if there was a way to possibly get him to Kansas City just because I think he would be really good for what the Chiefs did. And I think that lining him and Chris Jones up on the same side of the ball could probably pose some issues for some teams. Uh, yeah, I would say big time. Henderson is uh, super productive. He had 13 and a half sacks last year, kind of out of nowhere, I would say, um, for that Saints team. But obviously very good. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would like him. His – Value according to Spotrack is a little over ten million. So, you know, Lawson round nine, Hendricks round ten, and you always again we talked about it last pod. You always wonder about with with these players, will they 
Will they take the discount to go ring chase and play with Patrick Mahomes, who has now been into two Super Bowls and could have been his third in his first year starting if, you know, they don't lose a coin toss basically and get the ball back there in overtime. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens there. But um, I think that's all I got, man. Anything else you want to just wrap up between defensive backs or defensive line? You know, you just were talking about guys taking page cuts to go play with Patrick Mahomes. I wonder how many guys are going to want to take a pay cut to go play with Tyron Matthew in the Chiefs defense because, you know, I know the Super Bowl, they gave up points and it wasn't pretty, but the Chiefs secondary is on the verge of being a very, very special unit. I mean, this could be, I think this could be one of the best secondaries the NFL has seen since the Legion of Boom. If they could get the pieces together, keep the guys and develop the talent, I think they have an endless amount of potential. So that'll be something interesting to focus on. And as much as I'd like to get a Lawson or a Hendrickson in free agency on the DL, I think the only way they add to that unit in the offseason right now is through the draft. So that's really all I have for that. I just don't think they can afford to spend any more money. But I also do think the Chiefs' young guys like Tershawn Wharton and Mike Dana, I think they've got a lot of good football left in them for the Chiefs because those are two dudes that stand out on film when you watch them in limited reps. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I don't think they can afford it either. Um, I, I I just yeah, you, we just I think you got to see more production out of Clark and Jones, and a lot of that you know your your a lot of your problems go away. Um, the other guy that we didn't really mention there was um, sorry, ad popped up. I'm looking at Spotrack. Um, the other thing, the other only guy that we didn't talk about was Taco Charlton. He's a free agent as well. He might be somebody that they could bring back pretty cheap who seemed to be – he really enjoyed his time in Kansas City and was, I think, productive in his limited time. Very productive in his limited reps in that injury. It was unfortunate. I think before that injury, I think he was on the same path that uh, Emmanuel Agua was on. I think he was probably looking to get maybe eight or nine sacks this season and then head into a free agency and pick up like a three or four twenty – like a three or four year deal, maybe get like 18 to 20 million on that kind of like Ogba did. But yeah, you know, they might be able to bring him back cheaper now. And if they get him back and he's healthy and ready to go, it seemed like Spags and, you know, Frank Clark and, you know, Brendan Daly, they were able to get quite a bit out of him. He he looked a lot better than he did at any other point in his NFL career. So that'd be something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Like I said, just with the costs, you know, if you're not looking to spend and have a guy, again, a guy that knows the system that has familiarity with the coaching staff and the rest of the players, he's definitely somebody I would keep an eye on. Um, all right. Why don't we, uh, why don't we get out of here? You tell everybody what you've been working on, where they can find you. All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter as always at CJ Scoobs. Uh, last week, I wrote an article about Mr. Spencer Brown, a big tackle from the University of Northern Iowa. This week, I think I'm going to write an article about Landon Dickerson because I'm all about the Chiefs taking an O-lineman, if not in the first, the second round of the draft right now. And I'm also working on a little three-part series on the GMKC. I kind of just broke down the team's internal moves and the one this week. This week, I'm going to talk about some potential free agency stuff. And I'll cap that with some draft stuff as we get into draft season here at Arrowhead Live. So, Justin, why don't you go ahead and close the show out, bud? 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. As always, um, wrote an article today about how Allen Robinson um, might be more realistic than you actually think is when it comes to you know cap numbers and being able to sign him. So definitely when that comes out, you're going to have to check that, check that one out. Um, but make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live. Tons of podcasts, articles, the shop, everything's over there, guys. Uh, make sure if you're liking what you're hearing, you're, you're, you're sharing it around, tell your friends, family, aunts, uncles, tell everybody, grandparents. Um, but we appreciate everybody being here, and we'll talk to you next time.